When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, the NFL had the chance to do the right thing. I believe that the NFL was going to be on the right side of history for the first time ever. Unfortunately, the NFL did what the NFL does. The impact that they've had on Toronto FC, it, it's undeniable. I understand that you have to defend your quarterback. I understand that you just can't come out and, you know, say, well, you know, we don't want Deshaun anyways. I understand. I get it. I have to do this because I have to appreciate it. Yes, and we're back. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Ray Sports Rant. Of course, we are part of the Dean Blundell Network at DeanBlundell.com. Appreciate everybody who's uh, tuning in here live on, on YouTube. Primarily, though, we're at Twitter show. Now that we've moved over to the Ray Road channel, we only have like 50 subscribers. Nobody seems to come over here a lot. It's fine. We're building the channel. We're building the community. Hope everybody's well. Looking for uh, sports content? Go to DeanBondell.com. Got you covered. Tons and tons of stuff over there. Also, got politics, sports, entertainment, or all that. Everything. Everything's over there. Said sports twice. Put up an oxymoron. Not a good day today. Got, you know, one place I work for trying to push me out the door like I'm a chump. Top rated uh, content creator they have. And they're just like, get out, son. And I'm like, yo, fuck you. What a day, what a day, what a day, what a day. You know, the Buffalo Bills are a super good team. I'm not a Bills fan, but my audience base is Toronto, so you're all happy. Blue Jays are in the postseason. Hockey's back. Basketball's back. It's a good time. And yet today... We got to talk about the governing body, Hockey Canada, because they're back up to their old shenanigans. And we're going to talk some Maple Leafs. I want to talk about Nick Robertson. I want to talk about Matt Murray and Eli Samsonov. I want to talk about Dennis Mulligan. I want to talk about the Leafs injuries. And uh, I want to talk about the possibility of Mitch Marner playing defense. What? All that and more here on Ray Sports Rank. Happy Tuesday. And ladies and gentlemen, it's Tuesday. So as always, we got a special. Is it special anymore? Is it just normal? I don't know. We'll say special guest. I'll shade it up and all. Ladies and gentlemen from the Dean Bundell Network, Dean Bundell content creator, podcaster, Twitter expert, TikToker, betting and gambling, my man, Mr. Griff Borgeron. Griff, how are you, man? Doing good. Actually, it's funny you mentioned the Jays as I'm actually rocking the Knights, but found this right next to my stand right as we were going. So 
You're in Love Toronto. It. Get those rally towels ready. And I know we're a couple of uh, Patriots fans, but may, maybe, may, just maybe, you and I have to make our way down to the seven one six sometime for a game. But that's that's just here or there. Like you said, there is some hockey topics. Some good. Not. I'm not going to say bad. I'm going to say uncomfortable. It's those tough conversations you have to have. And besides that, it's a good week for me uh, as I make my way to Boston on Thursday. So life's good. Beauty. Yes. Did you know that despite the fact that I've only been with the Dean Blundell Network for about a year now, I think I joined in November of 2021, so not even a year. I've been with the Dean Blundell Network about a year. I just started covering Toronto sports like three months ago. Just started covering the Buffalo Bills six months ago. And out of my like, you know, 4,000 whatever Twitter followers, like 60% of my followers are Buffalo Bills fans. And I already had a shit ton of Buffalo Bills fans pre when I was still just covering the Patriots. So it's now that I have to like tweet about the Bills and talk about how good they are. It's just it's it's gross. Anyways, let's talk about gross. You want to talk about gross? You know, what's gross. Hockey Canada is gross. Let me share this came from Greg Robertson, Golden Mail. Said several years after Hockey Canada began using player registration fees to build a large financial reserve known as the National Equity Fund to cover sexual assault claims and other lawsuits, it channeled a significant portion of that money into a second multi-million dollar fund for similar purposes. Known as the Participants Legacy Trust Fund, the reserve was created by the organization and its members with more than $7.1 million from the National Equity Fund. The money was in earmarked quote, for matters including but not limited to sexual abuse. The Globe first reported in July that Hockey Canada used a little-known reserve called the National Equity Fund, built through player registration fees, to settle $3.5 million lawsuits filed that year by a woman who said she was sexually assaulted by several members of the 2018 junior team. Amid the controversy, Hockey Canada, the sport's governing body, reassured sponsors and government that none of their money was used to settle lawsuits. Though Hockey Canada previously disclosed very little about the National Equity Fund and how it operated, officials later acknowledged at a federal hearing in July that it was used to pay settlements on nine sexual assault claims totaling $7.6 million since 1989, not including... The claim settled this year. So we're talking about a total of uh, $11 million used to settle sexual assault cases. And you're right. We're going to have an uncomfortable conversation, but one that we need to have, Griff. And I wrote this last night on Twitter, and I mean it when I say this, because I got a little break last week from talking about sexual predators and sexual assault across sports when we talk about Deshaun Watson and um, the kicker, or Arizona, whatever his name is, from Buffalo. I covered that story, covered Antonio Brown, and now, you know, and I was covering the whole Hockey, Can- Hockey Canada scandal and the soccer can- and the Canada soccer scandal as well i got a break last week and i got to write and talk to Kristen and talk about misogyny and sports and how women sports fans are treated so got a little break from sexual assault we're right back into it um here's what grinds my gears someone who played hockey their whole life someone who maybe stopped watching hockey in 2010 2011 had nothing to do with hockey canada it just had to do with me losing passion for the game I sat in dress rooms, I sat in locker rooms. I'll tell you right now, I played soccer, I played football, I played basketball, I played volleyball, 
and I played hockey, there was shit said in the hockey dressing room I've never heard in any other room. Uh, there's a culture around the sport, whether you love the sport or not, and I loved it. There's a culture around the sport that needs to be broken, and good guys like you are able to come in and try to break the culture. But as a whole, the thing that grinds me the most about this whole thing is for the last, what, 15 years, prices of hockey registration and prices of hockey have just raised and raised and raised and pushed the marginal markets out of the game only to find out that over $11 million of that registration money has been used to settle sexual assault cases, protecting sexual predators. That's what grinds my gears. I don't even know how to word a question to you. So I'm just going to ask you, you hear this, you heard what you heard before you wrote a piece about it on DeanBlendell.com. You hear this new news. What's going through your head? I'm going to give you two words. Those two words are toxic masculinity. Basically, with a lot of this, like, you're right. I, I grew up my entire life in hockey locker rooms as well. Uh, I never played the highest of levels, but there still is always that sense of just toxic masculinity in there where it's, you know, it's me against the world, especially when you get to those guys that are like AA, AAA, OHL, I, I know some stuff. I've heard some things. I'm not going to repeat them on air. I can tell, I'll tell you off the record. I just I don't want to mention it. But with something like this, the fact that Hockey Canada basically goes out of its ways because they know, hey, let's not get in the way of what this kid could be instead of just completely shutting it down. Like you see this all the time too in university sports in the states as well. Guys, you know, like the like the Matariza case of the Buffalo Bills. Girls at a party. She's either extremely intoxicated, she's and completely out of it, and two guys basically have their way with her, and then it ruins their entire lives once everything gets discovered. Now with this, the victims, the, the the more fucked up part about this with Hockey Canada is not that Hockey Canada as a whole is getting exposed. We all know that there is going to be a leadership change eventually. The fact that Justin Trudeau, whether you like him or you hate him. Fine, came out and said something, that means a lot. That means that this is not just something that's going to be here and it's going to go away. No, the fact that the prim, prime minister, excuse me, I almost said premier, the fact that the prime minister of the country is finally stepping up and saying, you know what, enough is enough. It's disgusting. This needs to go away. You need to take care of it. That's the big thing. But the one part that I'm trying to get out that is disgusting is that the people involved in the actual acts themselves may never get named unless these get to serious court cases it's like the deshaun watson stuff it was never criminal lawsuits it was always civil lawsuits it's the same thing with matariza until these become criminal lawsuits i don't think you're really doing anything to help you are taking away stuff like i wrote like i wrote in the piece about sponsorships like if you saw the 2022 world junior reboot in august it was literally tso watches and a bunch of leafs and double ihf logos why because none of these sponsors wanted themselves associated with hockey canada Canadian Tire is even taking it as far as the one that's coming up in a couple months in Halifax and Moncton. Canadian Tire already said, no, thank you. We're out. We don't want to be involved in this. My big question, like, that's the other thing too. It is really hard, but you know what? These are conversations that need to be had. It needs to be had. It's kind of like, I'm not going to go too off hockey, but it's like the Tua topics, which it just sucks because you always it always waits until, you know, shit truly hits the fan to have these kind of conversations. There's a lot of stuff in life that relates to it. But at the same thing, too, I'm just going to go back to my basic point. Until you take that toxic masculinity and even stuff, too, like there is a lot of messed up stuff said. There's a lot of – even if you coin the term puck bunny, which is a girl who are attracted to hockey players. Why? Because most of the guys that play these high levels of hockey are – they're very attractive. They're very skilled, and they're very good at what they do. But at the same time, too, one little incident can go a very, very long way. Like that one girl in the London situation. She thought she was just going to a hotel room to have sex with one guy, like, you know, just consensual and everything. She gets to the room. No, there's seven other guys in that room waiting, basically just to do everything. She got uncomfortable. They wouldn't leave. 
and then now we know what the rest has happened and just thoughts out to her. But the fact that players are quickly coming out and basically saying, yeah, they weren't there. It's good, but it's bad because at the same time, too, you can dwindle the list down to that 2018 team, which a lot of those guys are in the NHL right now. But at the end of the day, you're never going to know who's in the act. At the end of the day, it's just going to be Hockey Canada taking responsibility, not the actual perpetrators themselves. You know what amazes me the most, though? And now I am going to... I'm not necessarily going to point out the mainstream media because they have been discussing this this case, whatever. But I've been I've been busy. I've been on a crusade the last week going after the toxic masculinity on Twitter towards football fans, towards female football fans. That's sort of been my crusade. And I haven't been paying attention to much. But I go on, and I'm going to say it by name. I go on the Score app owned by Rogers every day, and I click on the top news and top this, top that. For months, Deshaun Watson was a leading story every single day. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, Matt Ariza was a lead story every single day. Do you know how I found out about this second round of slush fund? I got a DM from Dean Blundell with a link from a Globe and Mail report saying, check this out because he knows that I've been on this, on this case. And I'm just like, I think for me in the, in, and I'm not even going to, I'm not hating on hockey fans and I'm not hating on hockey players at the moment who are good general dude, general, you know, genuine dudes who just want to go play shinny on a Friday night. Like, you know, this isn't directed towards you. So please withhold your hate comments towards me. Cause I, I get a lot of shit when I cover hockey Canada a lot, right? I can call Deshaun Watson, a sexual predator crickets or you know people propping me up i call matt ariza a sexual predator a rapist as what he is boom prop me up everybody's for it as soon as i talk about hockey canada use words like masculine toxicity or talk about cover-ups all of a sudden i'm just like i'm a i'm oh i'm a liberal i'm a this i'm a that boys will be boys and all this shit not one article on the score app dude about this hockey canada shit you know what i mean yeah and Hockey Canada is marked as one of my favorites so I can follow what's going on with it. And they're not covering this second round. It's gross. It's not Griff. You know what I mean? It's not Victoria Stewart who I had on last night. It's not Dean. It's not Lachlan. It's not good hockey fans. It's this genuine culture. And I saw a tweet today that actually made me almost pissed my pants laughing it was so funny and so sad at the same time and i'm, I'm gonna actually i'm just gonna find it because they were talking to the new president of of uh or the interim president of the board and basically they said to her like what happens if they have to dissolve senior management and she goes well like i don't know if they'll be able to turn the lights on at arenas like hockey canada believes that it's that the, the game can't continue without it and can't continue with the people there. And it, again, and I think we have, we as fans and we as citizens, because it's our national game, it's our, this, it's our, that we have fostered this sense of entitlement to them that they feel it's okay to spend $11 million protecting sexual predators. Again, I'm not calling out that entire junior team from 2018, but there's seven guys that I am. And I wish I knew who those seven guys were. The boys will be boys thing is something that, like, look, I say it sometimes, too. You know, it's like, hey, you know what? Mistakes are made. There's a difference between making a mistake and doing something that is just emotionally crippling to a woman. It's, it's that route you don't want to go down. Um, the other thing, too, with this is that you even see TSN, who basically is all the broadcasting rights to Hockey Canada. 
none of the panel people, none of the hockey experts will say anything. It's Rick Westhead who does investigational work. He's the one to say something. It's the people with nothing to lose. It's those ones who say something. The James Duffies of the world, the Ron McLeans, the Elliot Friedmans, the Jeff Merricks, great at their jobs as they are, they're the ones staying silent because they know that, look, there's a brand to protect and there's a shield to protect. It's like the same thing with the NFL, that the NFL doesn't give a shit until it affects the shield. This affects the Hockey Canada shield, so people are going to tiptoe around it. Meanwhile, there's the rogue journalists like your, ourselves. You know what? We don't care what we write. These have to get out. That's why as soon as this stuff came up and the Justin Trudeau stuff came out, I wanted to write about this. Um, and also, too, what was I going to say to your point? It's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's almost, I want to say hypocritical, but it's also a double standard at the same time too from these networks that like when the NFL, it's an NFL star does this when this is going back 20 years when the Kobe Bryant stuff happened, I was too young to remember the time if it was like how big of news it was, but it's the same sort of stuff. Ben Roethlisberger, um, all these things, but with this, it's kind of quiet because why? It's a brand, not a person. If this was a person, like, I don't know if you ever heard of the Logan Mayu story. Um, he's a player that was drafted by Montreal in 2021. He asked not to be drafted. Why? Because about November of 2020, he, he either videotaped or he took a picture of himself having basically of a girl committing oral sex on him to his buddies. That's a crime. And he was playing overseas at the time because the CHL was effectively shut down because of COVID. And... He was kind of, you know, not persecuted. He was basically persecuted for it. He was singled out. That's where the double standard and the hypocrisy comes in is the fact that, say, if there's seven guys involved in that hotel room in London, 03 in Halifax, probably countless other incidents we don't even know about yet. We're just scratching the surface on this. Until you figure out the who, this is just attacking the shield. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly what it is. And I think that because of all these gag orders that they probably put on these on these girls and all that kind of stuff and these victims let's let's call it what it is these victims i think that it, it's going to protect these players who uh you know what i mean if they were on that junior team in 2018 there's a good chance that you're cheering for a lot of them in the nhl right now who are about to sign their you know their veteran deals and make some money who are probably shitting their pants a little bit right now, and I hope that they are. All right, so we've done 17 minutes on this. Let's slide away. Let's talk a little bit of Toronto Maple Leafs, end this on a little bit of a light note. I'm just going to end it with Hockey Canada is gross. Uh, the entire board, the entire executive committee, everybody needs to go. They need a fresh restart. Same with Canada Soccer, and we'll go from there. Let's talk goaltenders, okay? Zach Pine wrote this uh, this morning. said, Matt Murray played a full game this time around and looked just as sharp as he did in the previous preseason action. In the later part of this game, Montreal generated several high-danger chances, but Murray was fully up to the task. Now, a couple of nights ago, Eli Samsonov played and let in a couple of weak ones, a couple of tricklers. One fell through him, forgivable. It happens. Uh, one where he misplayed the puck behind the net, not as forgivable in my eyes. And I think, to me, as solid as he's looked up to this point, Samsonov, you know, that was sort of the spotlight of what Leafs fans were worried about, right? What's, you know, the sort of those kind of plays. And it happened twice against the Senators, I think the Leafs still ended up winning in that that what I called the B division game because they sent all their their B squad. So and then of course you know the Leafs sent their A squad and, and destroyed Montreal last night. Matt Murray to me has looked the most comfortable in net. He's looked the most confident in net. I know there's some people that are still calling it a competition. In my opinion, 
Matt Murray is the starting goalie of the, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, even though he'll probably, you know, I I know that a starter only plays like 60% of the games now, but I think that that 60 is going to be slotted to Matt Murray. What's your thoughts on it? Uh, at this point, yes. Um, I did see, a, I did watch the preseason game on Wednesday, saw a little bit of last night, some of the highlights. Uh, missed the Belleville action, unfortunately. But you know what? Matt Murray's looked good. There's been certain things from his game that I've noticed that Jack Campbell didn't even do. And I know a lot of people like to do that comparison, the Murray versus Campbell stuff. The way I look at that, it is, is that Murray, uh, Murray was just less term. Jack Campbell wanted term and he's already 30 and goalies usually turn the corner at 30 unless you're an elite goalie. Um, right now it is Matt Murray's crease to lose. Matt Murray will be the starter next Wednesday night in Montreal. Matt Murray's going to be the guy that when you, when you look at it all and the day is done, he's going to be there. So basically how it's probably going to go is Wednesday night, Murray in Montreal, Samsonov gets the Capitals on Thursday in the home opener, and then the Saturday night against Ottawa, October 15th, Leafs sends Hockey Night in Canada. That's going to be must-see TV. If, I don't know, Ray, if you're going to be committed to all 82 games. That's one you should circle on your calendar. Um, I will tell you this. I yeah. will be taking it in in some point, all 82 games, either watching a full game or watching the extended highlights, the extended sort of recap of the game. Yeah, that's that's just the other thing too with all the other sports besides football. It's just really hard to fix in all eighty-two or one sixty-two in baseball's case. Um, Murray's looked good. Murray is impressed. Murray's actually plays the net a lot bigger, which goalies should do. Jack Campbell played smaller. Murray plays bigger. He's a bigger chest protector. He just when he's in the net, you have to look like a threatening presence. You have to make yourself big to make the players think more to make the players shoot more. Last Thursday, actually, this is going to be interesting because I play hockey on Thursday afternoons with a work client, so I get to get out of work early, not brag. But before I went on, because I was playing at the Leafs practice facility in Etobicoke, the Marlies were practicing, and I was paying attention to their goalies. So even in the system, Keith Petrozelli and also um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Dryden Hope, a kid from uh, just signed out of college from Minnesota State. Um, they – you could just tell already. Like, you know how they always say in sports, oh, this guy sucks or whatever, fourth liner, he sucks. If you go and watch these guys up close and personal, you can tell. Their worst is the best at any other level above what you play. So that's why when you hear, you know, Randy from Port Colburn, who's like 30 rum and cokes deep after watching the Leafs get their ass kicked 5 nothing, and says, oh, I could do what Matt Murray does. Why, oh, Austin Matthews, you're shit. Just remember that. But when it comes to the goaltending with the Leafs, if I heard this today on Overdrive, TSN 1050, and Brian Hayes said this. If you can go into the future six months from now and you say, hey, Matt Murray played 50 games, you're going to think he had a good season. If he plays, I think if any, if these goalies do anywhere from, if both guys can get at least 35 starts, either goalie, that's a successful season. Because here's the thing, too. A lot of teams are doing it where they'll just change up their goaltending like it's nothing. Carolina did it. And even, too, for everyone saying, oh, you needed the Vasilevskis to win the Cups or the Shesterkins. Colorado's just won with Darcy Kemper, who, you know what? He's league average. He's nothing special. I'm not trying to rip him or anything, but I'm just saying this. If you can get moderately average goaltending out of Matt Murray and have a save percentage in the 9-10s, the 9-20s, you're looking good. Now with Samsonov, if he's going to be the backup, when his number's called, he just you have to rely on him to per, – to, be productive. You have to rely on him to, you know what, he's not going to screw up. You need to know, hey, it's not Peter Morazic in net anymore. It's not Michael Hutchinson in net anymore. you got to know that. So with Ilya and Matt, I think it's going to be Matt's crease. But my take still is always going to be is that Samsonov is going to find a way somehow that if Murray either slips or gets injured, it's going to be Samsonov's crease to lose. 
All right, so now I want to talk about who a guy who is slowly becoming my favorite player on the Toronto Maple Leafs. If I ever completely turned and became a hockey puck again, I would probably buy his jersey. And he is fighting for one of those final roster spots, and that's my boy Nick Robertson, who I've just loved throughout this preseason. Zach Payne of the Leafs Hot Stove wrote, before Monday's game, Sheldon Keefe mentioned that Nick Robertson was coming off two of the best performances in a Leaf jersey. He successfully built on uh, the momentum against Montreal and didn't let up in his push for a roster spot. Robertson hustle was the most noticeable aspect of his game on Monday. In all three zones on 5v5, he was an absolute puck count, earning his mark on the score sheet. And he scored a beauty against Ottawa. Again, I get it was the B game, but he reached out, got a stick on it. I think the announcer called it a goal scorer's goal is what he called it. Tell me about my boy, Robertson. Tell me he's going to make the team this year, Griff. He's making the team. I don't know if he's going to be a full-time starter or not, but he's going to be there. He's going to be a depth guy. It's that next man up mentality. It's the, you know what, like we talked about last week with like the Alex Steves of the world. Steves probably won't make the team. I think he'll be, be with the Marlies. Um, but Nick Robertson healthy is going to be a contributor to this team. Nick Robertson healthy is going to be a guy and you know, the third or fourth line that you can rely on for those minutes with the, the injuries piling up already, you know, like with the John Tavares being out, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to go through the, the list, but he's the kind of guy that, you know what, with Johnny out, Hey, I can make an impact. So why, if you need someone to play second power play, if you need someone to step up and go on the penalty kill, you can rely on him. If you want someone to go play with like say an Alex Kerfoot, he can. I personally think he'll slide into that third or fourth line role. But he's had a fantastic preseason. He's that rookie that Leaf fans are excited to see. Why? Because he was a promising prospect that's been hindered by injuries. But then now that he's got his chance, I don't know if he's going to be his brother in Dallas, which who scored 40 goals last year. But I think 20 goals is something that if he gets, is a successful season. I could see a 40 to 50 point year from him. You know what? Like I said to you earlier, it's always about next man up. And when your number gets called, especially in the playoffs, that's when you got to produce. I could be wrong. I know he got an assist last night. I thought it was on the Nylander goal. I could be wrong on that. I, I can't be bothered to find the stat right now, so I'll just pretend it was the Nylander goal that he got the assist. And I mean, to me, though, like when I look at Nick Robertson, and I listen, I understand he's not Austin Matthews. He's not John Tavares. He's not Mitch Marner. I get that piece, right? Like, I, I'm smart enough to understand how that works. But is Nick Robertson not like a hockey player's hockey player? Like, is he not the guy that you want to team, the guy that fights for the puck, that puck counts? I mean, he's... I, I've been calling him like motor because I, like, that's why he's just impressed me up this throughout this whole preseason. Um, as Victoria pointed out last night, I agree. He looked a little lost in, in the first game of the year, but he really kind of brought it in and I get it's preseason, but I mean, you want to talk about a guy who understands the situation. You want to talk about a guy who understands he's fighting for a roster spot. I, I'm surprised he's not dropping the gloves. It's to show that he can do that too. By the way, shout out Wayne Simmons who dropped them on, uh, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday against Ottawa and Belleville. That was great. But I don't know that's my thing about him. Like to me, like he's like your hockey's player, hockey, a hockey's player, hockey player, you know? It's that guy that's not afraid to get dirty. It's the Michael Bunting, but there's less pressure on him because guess who Michael Bunting's playing with? He's playing with two elite players. Nick Robertson's the kind of guy that he can come in and establish himself. It's like, you know how last year Michael Bunting came in, there was no responsibility. It was, hey, he's making $850,000. Nick Robertson, honestly, I don't know his exact financial figure, but it's it's. I don't think it's something over a million. I think he's in the six figures still. He's that guy that's like, look, when you have nothing to lose or nothing to prove and you're like, not your back's against the wall, but like, you know, when it's like, you doubt them or you don't think they're going to do anything, that's when they can surprise you and, you know, what makes noise. So that's what I expect Nick to do. I expect Nick to, you know what his number's called? Be a contributor because if not, I think it's headed for a separation trial. 
he's still not the prospect I'm most looking forward to. That'll be Matthew Nyes, but I don't think we'll see Nyes until at least April. Um, especially with, I know this is not NHL, but college hockey. Minnesota is one of the best teams in the country for the U S. Um, but with Nick, this is the prove it year. It's a bet on himself here. And usually when you have a bet on yourself here, I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron judge, but bet on yourselves. Years in hockey usually pay off and you end up getting a nice payday out of it. So you and I are going to have one more conversation and it's going to be regular season, right? The 12th. Is that when it starts? So fun fact, actually, for the Leafs, yes, but for the NHL, no. The regular season starts on Friday because the Sharks and the Predators are going to be playing games Friday at 1 and Saturday at 1 in Prague in the Czech Republic. Ah. Yep, they're over there right now. They're playing exhibition games, I think, in Berlin and Switzerland somewhere because obviously Roman Yossi and I don't know the German connection with the Sharks, but I know Timo Myers and other Swiss players. So basically the NHL always does this. They're doing it in November as well somewhere. I don't know. I can't remember the names off the top of my head. But this was a culture shock for a lot of hockey fans because there still is preseason hockey to be played. The Leafs have their two final preseason games Friday night and Saturday night against the Red Wings. But – Come next Tuesday, it's rock and roll time. That's when all the other teams pick up. So that's just a fun little note for some of the people on here who may not know. The NHL regular season does technically begin Friday afternoon in Prague. No, it's beautiful. All right, a couple more things I want to get to here, and I'm trying to decide what to go with. Okay, we'll go with this, and we'll finish with a fun one. Yep. Uh, so we're going to talk about the least injuries, because there's, there's a lot of them, Griff. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Uh, this one, I, there might be more since I grabbed this. I grabbed this on September 30th. comes from Joseph Zeta of Least Nation. says, after it was announced that not only Pierre Engvall and Timothy there, Lilligren, there we go, and Jake Musson at the time were set to miss time. It was then informed that John Tavares would also miss a minimum of three weeks due to an oblique strain he suffered in training camp. Now, on top of all that, there are more injury notes to report on some Maple Leafs uh, after two defensemen went down with an injury and did not return against the game against Montreal on Wednesday night. That was this Wednesday or the Wednesday before, whatever. Uh, defenseman Jordy Ben and Carl Dahlstrom both went down with an injury. Um... Keith just spoke to the media today, and it was announced that both defensemen are going to miss time with Carl Dahlstrom missing significant time due to a shoulder injury that he sustained in the game uh, that will require surgery. Just like Tavares, Ben will be out a minimum of three weeks, while Dahlstrom will be out a max a minimum of six months. Um, listen, tons and tons and tons of depth in the Toronto Maple Leafs. I understand that. There's, you know, next man up. I get it. When you're good, you can actually say next man up, and the Leafs are in the position to say it. If you're a New England Patriots fan now, you don't want to hear next man. I don't know, though. You got you got Jake or Bailey Zappi, so maybe. But, I mean, at what point, Griff, do Leaf fans start getting uncomfortable or nervous that with the injuries piling up this early into the season? If the team gets off to a slow start, they do have their California road trip right out of the gate. So it's like if you get out there and you get flat because the California teams, two of the three are still in rebuilding LA's that like, they're just, they're just getting there. Um, also one note, quick note. I looked up while you were talking. The other game is November 4th and November 5th in Finland. Columbus plays Colorado in some international games as well. So that's just a fun note for there. Mm-hmm. But for the Leafs, do not freak out now. Do not panic now. It's like the NFL players get hurt. It's the preseason. It's not like there's 17 games. There's 82 games. It's when your Matthews or your Marners, those guys go down. Like, like <laughs> you made dog bark. I know. I made. <laughs> I made my dog bark. Um, I do that I mean, all the time. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god. Um, 
it's when those guys go down. Like, I know the Marner playing defense thing came up. I don't think that means anything. I think that might be a power play thing more than anything else. Kind of like, you know, hey, play the slot on the power play because most power play units, you go your four best forwards and you go your anchor on defense. So it'll be probably Morgan Riley, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, Marner. So it'll be those five guys on the power play. So that's probably where it factors in. Maybe they're doing it for fun too. Maybe they're doing it for the, you know, break glass in case of emergency moment. But if you're a Leafs fan, it's nothing to really panic over. It's just something to, you know what, keep in the back of your head. Now with the injuries, look, Jordy Ben's a guy that he's here on like a very cheap deal. He's here on a vet minimum, 750000 I believe. But with the Leafs decor, it's still good because you're going to have Morgan. And Jake Muzzin too, it's the injury thing, but there. But let's see, you have the Sandman, Rasmus Sandin sign. You have Lilligren, but I know he's hurt, but he'll probably be back sooner than later. Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Justin Hall, and there's also Victor Mete, who they just signed as well. I think Mete is going to be a guy that can come in and contribute. It's more or less Justin Hall is the big question mark in there for obvious reasons. He's the weakest of the week. But with the rest of this team and the injuries, the Dahlstrom loss does suck. But I'm not going to worry and panic unless these injuries are reoccurring or nagging or just lasting throughout the whole season. So it's just – and also, too, with the taking guys out for precautionary reasons, it's just because you don't want to hurt someone further. I think Dahlstrom was just an unfortunate accident. So you you touched upon Mitch Marner playing defense a little bit, and that's the fun subject I wanted to finish with because Sheldon Keefe uh, did kind of raise eyebrows. comes from Sean O'Leary, the scorer, when he said that he was considering experimenting with Mitch Marner on defense. I believe we saw him on defense on the power play against Montreal, did we not? Because uh, I did notice that Bunting, Nylander, Matthews were on the ice, and then there was Marner, and I was like, oh, what are they all doing there? But uh, here's what Marner said, and this is why I kind of like Mitch Marner. You know what I mean? Again, you want to talk about a hockey player, a hockey player's hockey player, you know? Yeah. So, quote, I'm, I'm open to all kinds of opportunities, whatever Keith is thinking. Uh, I'm not against anything, Marner said, according to NHL.com's Dave McCarthy. Uh, as soon as he gives me the heads up, uh, I was all in with it and thought the idea was kind of a cool thinking one. You know, there are superstars out there that would be like, I'm not playing defense. You know what I mean? Anytime, anywhere, whatever. Mitch Marner's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, if, if that's what you need me to do, I make the big money now. I sat out for a year. You know what I mean? I'm good. Um, what, like, what do you talk to me about Mitch Marner? Like, I know, I know the experiment, but what if they started using him more regularly on defense in a kind of, you know, because I could see too in a, in a pull your goalie situation, you bring him in on defense in an overtime situation, you, you bring him out. You know what I mean? Um, and then just his overall open attitude to wanting to play defense. You're proving you're versatile. You're proving that you're an asset. You're proving to yourself, hey, look, I'm not afraid to do anything. Just because I'm an elite player and an elite talent doesn't mean I don't want to, like, you know, change my game up. It's like I said to you earlier, it's one of those things don't panic about. It. It's not going to be, oh, my God, the Leafs have played Mitch Marner in defense. No, it's just him probably trying to play better defensive hockey game because guess what you need to win hockey it's every sport defense wins championships that's a slogan that's a saying it's an expression for a reason so with guys like that and when especially it's your more top tier guys like if it's michael bunting or nick robertson saying it or alex kerfoot it's one thing but when it's a guy who had a truly great season last year when it's one of the leaders in this locker room and when it's a top 10 top 10 to 20 talent in the nhl doing it it goes a long way and it means a lot so that's where I think with the whole Mitch Marner stuff comes in. It's that it's just, you know what? It's another notch on its belt. Like I said before, Lee fans don't panic. Well, I want to tell everybody I wasn't panicking. I actually want to see Mitch Marner play defense. I just absolutely love it. Griff, I got to go. You got to go. We got to get out of here. Tell the people what you're doing, where they can find you, all that kind of fun stuff. Well, Start with your I, home address. 
Oh, okay. Uh, I'll have my SIM card. Just give me a second. Yes, um, yes. In your bank, in your, your transfer number, too, if you could. Yes, uh, you can get my direct deposit information as well, folks. Um, it is, uh, never mind. Um, so, fun fact, folks. So, it was always Mr. Griffin B and Mr. Griffby, but I changed both handles. So, both Twitter and Instagram are the same. Mr. Griffby, I just want to keep it easy for the people out there because I can realize I don't want to confuse people. Griff Sports Talk, TikTok. Uh, I am churning out articles if a certain sports director can get to them and edit them. I have my first. I have my first division preview done. Basically, I'm going to give you folks what I did. I did the central division. I ranked the teams one to eight, and I write, I wrote a little blurb about why I think they're there and what I think is going to happen to them. I got to turn out some other ones because I leave Thursday for vacation before the NFL season, before the NHL season, excuse me, because I'm living on a lifelong dream, and I think that's all you need to know, and it's football-related. Um, but as well, the articles are coming. The videos are coming. My God, folks, we are going to make some money. Next Tuesday, I already have a bet that I am in love with, but you're going to have to wait till next week to find out what that is. And also, too, I'm going to say this right now. If you are betting NHL preseason, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Why? Because it's not the right things. But like I said, folks, articles are coming in Fast and Furious. TikToks are coming in Fast and Furious. It is Locktober for a reason, folks. We don't lose on locks, except for if you bet Allen Robinson touchdowns or Rams touchdowns last night. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to make some money this October, folks. And I'm just getting ready on the ride. Yeah, the sports director's been busy. Anyways, um, appreciate you, Griff. Appreciate you coming in. Check it out. Uh, you, I loved Locktober. Saw your first pick, Buffalo Bills. You got it, Griff. Scared the shit out of me, but it hit. <laughs> appreciate you, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Griff Bojwan. He told you everything that you need to know about him. Smart fucking cat. Uh, 17 minutes of this podcast was dedicated to my feelings towards hockey Canada. And I hope that that was when I had the most concurrent viewers. I hope that that's when people paid attention the most because I think it was important. It was an important conversation that Griff and I had. Hockey Canada is breezy. Hockey Canada is gross. They're disgusting. And if they would like to redeem themselves and become an organization that's respected again, they need to clean things up. Guys, hit that like button, subscribe on the YouTube channel, uh, follow me on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray, give a retweet if you're watching this on Twitter right now, hit that like button, would appreciate you. It helps me, it helps the network, and that network is the Dean Blundell Network. Check it out at DeanBlundell.com. Download the podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, that's really it. I got nothing else. It was fun. We had a good time. We talked hockey. Hopefully talk hockey a little bit more next week. Real hockey. Not bullshit, but, you know, Hockey Canada, but hockey. Season starting. Basketball's here. The Bills. All of y'all. 716-416-905. I love you all. Go Jays, go. Never forget, you're all legit, kid. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. 
Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.